Hey everyone, I'm John Steele, and this is After Four, a podcast for InterVarsity alumni. Life after college is hard, and even a great experience with your InterVarsity chapter doesn't shield you from the challenges of transition. As we hear stories from real alumni learning how to make it in their post-InterVarsity reality, my hope is that this podcast will offer some encouragement, a few laughs, and even some hope for the future. This is After Four, and these are your stories. Hello and welcome to After Four, the podcast for InterVarsity alumni. I'm John Steele, and I've got a fresh episode all ready for you here. Before I do that, though, let me ask you a question. If you could do anything for your birthday, what would you do? Swim with dolphins, drive a tank, bungee jump, all of the above? Well, not our next guest. When given the option to do anything he wanted for his birthday, he said, all I want to do is hang out on the After Four podcast. And then we said, wish granted. Okay, that's not actually what happened. He did not say that. Today, though, you get to hear my chat with David, an alum from Michigan Tech, and it was his birthday, but I didn't actually know that until partway through our conversation. But hey, we still had a great time talking. It was an honor to have some of his time on his birthday, and since I didn't know in advance to get him a gift, we decided that you can consider today's episode a special gift from both of us. Call it early Mother's Day, late Arbor Day, whatever you want it to be. Just enjoy. Hey, David, welcome. It's really great to have you on today. Thank you, John. It's great to be here. How have you been? Been good. A little busy with work and just business of life, as I'm sure you know. Yes. I think it's funny. I feel like at least when I was a college student, I remember saying, I can't wait to graduate because I'm going to be able to focus just on my job and I'm going to have so much more time on my hands. <laughs> yeah. I guess for engineering in particular, my job doesn't quite end. There's always stuff going on. The industry that I'm in, it's always functioning 24-7, so on call whenever. So so you don't totally have freed up head and emotional space when you go home from work. There's like still stuff going on. It depends if it's like a new process that's being put in, but once things kind of get rolling, then it kind of eases up. But I uh, had the opportunity to work on a new process set up and that definitely included some all-nighters on site. So yeah, that's definitely something you hear more from college students is pulling all-nighters before exams and things. And here you're a professional and then you're pulling all-nighters too. So then it sounds like you are an engineer. Is that what you studied when you were in school? Yep. I attended Michigan Tech up in Northern Michigan and I studied chemical engineering. I took five years just because I was also a student athlete. So I cross-country skied and I also ran cross-country as well. So a two-sport athlete. Were those cross-training, you could do one in one season and it would keep you fresh and at least somewhat ready for the other season? Yeah. So like in high school, I started off with both running cross-country and then I skied for a club team in the area. And I was pretty decent in high school. But then once I got to college, it was a whole new ball game for cross-country running, which I just didn't have that build for. So I ran cross-country just to keep in shape for the skiing season. I want to talk a little bit more about athletics in a little bit here. So keep a pin in that for just a minute. You said you went to Michigan Tech. You were there for five years, studied chemical engineering. When did you graduate? I graduated the spring of 2020. So I had about three months when COVID, when all that stuff hit, and then that transition to the online portion of things. But that really didn't impact my academics just because with all the senior projects, that was pretty much online anyways. So I think that had a bigger impact on freshman and sophomore courses. And so you've only known a professional career in the midst of COVID pandemic realities. 
Okay, we'll get to some of these things that are happening now. I'm looking forward to that. But first, I'd like to know, how is it that you got involved with InterVarsity? So my freshman year of college, I was still involved with high school youth group with my church. And I was working on transitioning from that into more of a college scene. And I got into contact my sophomore year with Aaron Green, who had been working with a couple of football guys who had a Bible study with just a football team. But they had a vision to include all the athletics on campus. And so we started a Bible study with football team and skiers, and then that grew to the cross country team. And then the basketball team started their own Bible study and then volleyball after that. So my sophomore year is when I first was invited to join InterVarsity. So I sat down and talked with them for a bit to kind of get an idea of what their vision was and my role in it. They were both a year ahead of me. So the plan was that they would lead the Bible studies. And once they graduated, I would take over. And I've been in contact with a couple of the football guys that are still in the Bible study. And I'm pretty sure we have all the sports except tennis. Wow, that's fantastic. So you came in at a spot where there was just a couple of guys meeting with Aaron, and they were the ones that had this vision for a multi-sport small group reaching all of the different sports on campus. And over the course of like five or six years, it's gone from just a few guys meeting together to all sports on campus, but just a couple that have a small group. That's like the dream ministry right there that you got to be a part of. That's really cool. Before that, I really hadn't any contact between any other sports. And to see that was kind of a cool way to unify all athletics on campus, but also meet people who you don't normally come into contact with. Just because as a student athlete, you're so busy just with sports and academics that you don't really have that opportunity to meet other people in other sports. Did you come from a school that had rivalries between sports as far as like, hey, we've got to, we've got to be the best performing sport here because that's how you get money for your program? Were there things like that going on that the Bible study actually like, hey, there's some sort of relationship building reconciliation happening between teams that beforehand would have been at odds? Or were you all just so separated that even those things didn't exist? I think having the Bible study opportunity, I definitely spent more time supporting each other's athletics and going to those sporting events and just being more of a part of that. What an amazing thing to get to be a part of. And not just to be somebody that goes to the small group, but somebody that was part of the sort of inner workings of helping that grow and expand. As you think about some of those experiences, are there any particular memories that stand out to you of like, this was a really shaping important thing that happened during my time? My last year at Tech, I had moved into an apartment with a lot of the ski guys, but also a couple of basketball players. And I actually held the Bible studies at the apartment. So some guys who don't attend, they weren't Christians or didn't have any religious beliefs, had the opportunity to experience or sit in without feeling pressured to. So I was able to be a light to teammates and roommates that wouldn't otherwise attend a Bible study like that. So not only bringing together members from athletic teams who wouldn't normally cross paths with one another, also providing space for people that would typically have no interest or no opportunity to explore faith, having a safe place for them to come together. Seeing those things happening, what did that provoke in you as a leader? Initially, it was kind of intimidating. I wasn't sure how my non-Christian teammates would respond to it. But I think what I've learned over time, it's not about what I do, but it's being able to plant a seed, give them an opportunity to experience something that they don't normally and allow God to work in their hearts. 
makes me think of the parable of the different soils. And you have that farmer that goes out, he's sowing seeds in every different type of soil, sort of indiscriminately, not even making a call on, oh, I think that this is the really good soil where I could sow seed and this is where I'll get my best crop. So I'll just focus here. It's all over the place. And that's so similar to us. We're called to talk to anybody and everybody and give them an opportunity. So often we can either let fear or doubt rule the day and we don't give people a chance to say yes or no for themselves. Yep, absolutely. So as you were edging closer and closer to your senior year, as you're looking at graduation, what were some of the expectations that you had for your life going into this season of graduation and then moving on to the next phase of life? With a chemical engineering degree, it's so broad into what you can apply it to. And I had an internship over the summer of 2019 with the company I'm working with right now. I worked as a process engineer, but with a chemical engineering degree, you can work within a paper mill, with energy, really anything. But my job experience was so limited at the time that I wasn't sure how I could get into a starting position without knowing how to start. So were you fairly open to like, I'm going to take whatever I can get here? That was essentially how it was. I graduated in 2020 and I began my job search, which was the span of five months of just being denied with emails. And in July, I had picked up a job working with high school students who had a disability. We basically just did outdoor work. I was basically their job coach, just helping them finish their jobs, which was actually here in Menominee, which was a contract for about two months. I basically just took the first job I was offered. So I wasn't just sitting around all day. And so I worked for two months with SAIL Disability Network in the UP. Being back in Menominee, I was able to reach out to Chem Design again. And at the time, they were fully staffed, but they were hiring for operators for their chemical processes. So I had applied to get into that position, but because I was an engineer, they didn't want me to kind of take a step back in their mind and become an operator where that wouldn't be advantageous for my future career in engineering. So at first they denied my applications for being an operator, but later on, I believe they talked amongst themselves about a possible job opportunity if it were to open, but that was something not made known to me at the time. So they hired me on in August and I've worked as an operator for a month. My second week working, I had clocked in 96 hours. I just... I had a mindset of whatever I do, I'm going to put forth my best effort. I picked up every overtime opportunity I could. And on October 16th, they made a position for me as a process engineer. So I've actually been working alongside a building manager right now. And I've taken over one of the processes that we're running. It's just crazy looking back, graduating with no job opportunity where I lost job interviews. To where now I have an engineering degree and I'm working as a process engineer and using my degree is just, it's kind of overwhelming. That's awesome. You end up, as you said, going into graduation with no job prospects anymore and take the first job that you can get that's completely out of your field and then keep applying to a place that could potentially have something in your field down the road. They reject you and then eventually create a space for you that is right up your alley. What was going on in your head during that string of months between graduating and when this new position opened up for you mentally, emotionally, spiritually, like what was happening for you? 
So being here in 2019 with the internship, I was welcomed by the community, the church here, North Shore Church. I got connected and I met some amazing people, made some great friends, and they were actually the ones that reached out and got me the job working with the high school students with disabilities. Through them, they brought me back to the area. And I know a lot of students who have trouble with transitioning into new areas, finding a church or community or small group. I think that was a huge part of keeping my mind sane. During the time period of pandemic hitting and just prior to getting the job offer, chem design as an engineer, I had applied to easily over 200 jobs and being denied by each one is kind of disheartening. Even entry-level jobs always ask for five years of experience minimum. It's like, is that possible? Yeah, it was definitely a reoccurring theme of relying on God. Not sitting back in my chair and just waiting for something to happen, but continue applying and not giving up and just trusting that everything I'm going through is for his good and he's got something in store. Am I wrong in my assumption that a lot of the mindset that was required to do that is stuff that would have been practiced time and time again in your career as an athlete? I mean, was that just mental fortitude, stamina that you had to have to just like, I just have to keep moving. I have to keep going. I have to keep working hard here. Quite possibly. Being an endurance athlete is no easy accomplishment. Running cross country and skiing and just pushing your body to its physical limit, but then also you're pushing your mind to its mental limit as well. And I think not solely in athletics, do you learn patience or to get through difficult situations, you know, academics, you do the same thing. But I think I learned more of that through athletics. I had a stretch of time when I was a campus staff where I was working with athletes and some of them were track athletes. I remember them saying, yeah, we have a phrase that we use really frequently when you're ready to give up or when you feel like you're wearing out and that's just keep your knees up. Because if you're keeping your knees up, then you're able to cross the hurdle. You're able to keep your forward momentum going. Just this really important part of maintaining your form so that you can keep operating at the level that you need to. As I'm saying it, realizing that that was not the same category of athlete that you were working in. But I imagine that there's still this sense of whatever I have to do to keep myself moving forward, that's what I'm going to do because stopping is not going to be advantageous right now. How has your faith developed since graduating? You had this group of peers that you were connecting with regularly that you were even leading, and that's a different experience than what you're having now. So how has your faith been evolving? What have you been learning about yourself, about God? It was just making my faith my own, really having to make an effort to put myself out there to make time for God. But looking over where I am now versus a year ago, it's like, how could I have made it this far without God in my life? You got to take a moment to think about what would my life look like if God wasn't a part of it. I wouldn't have made it this far if I didn't have God guide me through. Are there personal rhythms or things that have changed or have been harder since graduating? I still have an issue of opening the Bible on a daily basis. With some friends we used to do, we go through a book like Romans. We would read a chapter of Romans each day and then analyze it. And that lasted for about two months and it kind of dwindled. But that's something I'm still working on with other Bible studies and having those opportunities to get into the word. But I think the biggest thing is just with work and not always having my priority of reading the Bible every day. That's something I need to work on more. Mm. 
I think that's a daily rhythm that many of us can struggle with. It's so easy to just let your full day take over, get home, be totally exhausted, and either not have space before you go to bed or before you get up and go to work in the morning to do those kinds of things. I think my issue was that I saw it as a task versus something I wanted to do. And that's something I've been praying about and trying to have a different mindset on. I've had that same problem over and over and over again in my life. And for me, I've found out that it's so similar to exercise. When I'm not exercising, exercise seems like the thing that I'm least interested in doing. (laughs) When I'm doing it regularly, I'm like, this is the best. I feel great. I'm excited for what I'm going to do tomorrow to see how I'm going to grow and develop. And you get excited about even the challenge. And for me, it's so much the same way when I am consistently reading and studying God's word and praying. It's really exciting. But when I'm not doing it, it just feels like, oh my goodness, I have so much other work that I'd like to do. Or I'm just tired of focusing. I'm tired of trying for the day. And I really just want to crash. If you're struggling to get that momentum going, it feels like such a chore and not like a life-giving experience. Yeah, I hate the idea of only coming to God when I'm in need versus coming to God to praise. That's something that I've made progress over time with. When I pray, it's not me, me, me. God, please help this. Help me feel better. I'm trying to have a new mindset of looking over what God has done for me and appreciate more of what God has done. It's so easy just to approach God in either the really high or the really low. And I would say even more, it's easier to approach God and for me in the really low of like, man, things just suck right now. Can you please help me? And when things are average to great, to just totally forget and move on with my daily rhythm, that's a place I would love to keep growing. What does it look like for me to approach God across that span of emotions and life experiences to say, this is just where I am, God, and thanks for who you are. As you think about your time in InterVarsity, are there places that you look at and say, wow, this is something that really helped set me up well for life after college? One of the big things is just reaching out to people. When we first started the Bible study, it was reaching out to teammates within the cross-country or ski team and trying to get everyone involved in some way. Post-graduation, going to a church or being in a community, you get those personal skills of talking with people, having the mindset of, okay, I'm going to go talk to these people. I'm going to step outside of my comfort zone. Something that I learned from Bible study, especially leading a Bible study. Although my experience of leading a Bible study is more so allowing everyone else to talk, just more of a guide than a leader, just because a Bible study, in my opinion, was to allow everyone to partake. I wanted everyone else to have an opportunity to speak whatever comes to their mind, and then we can talk about that. Yeah, to have the skill of knowing how to incorporate the whole small group. Everybody gets to have a voice here. Let's explore together what's going on, which is also really helpful just for you would know how to lead a really good meeting now as well. You have your team of people that's all working on a project, sitting around a table together, and you know how to guide a group discussion towards achieving a goal and not just David sitting there telling every person around the table what he thinks is the right thing to do. Absolutely. I worked as an operator for two months. Now I'm working with operators. And I think being a servant leader, Jesus being the ultimate example of that, is a huge benefit to the operators. People who work face-to-face with the processes know what works best in this setting, having their voices heard and being someone to talk to and even vent to. 
with all the stress on their side of things, on the expectations that set for them. I think it's huge just having people skills that were developed through university and in college and bringing that to the workplace and being a good listener. I mean, it can make a big difference. That's a skill that will serve you in every single part of your life. If you're somebody who is growing at being a better and better listener, you're going to excel and be way more helpful to the people around you. What's it like being a Christian in the engineering field? Is it difficult to be somebody that's pursuing faith? What's the spiritual climate of the people that you spend time with during the day? There's really no conflict, which is good and bad, because it's so easy just to sit back, even though we're called to disciple. And doing that in the workplace can be so tricky just because we're called to, but when is the right opportunity to do that? And but honestly, I think it's one-on-one with someone. With operators, I've had the opportunity to not really share the gospel, but they know that I'm a Christian. We've talked about it, but it's also something they kind of steer away from. So it can be difficult to start a conversation on that. But I also act differently than a lot of my coworkers. And I think that in itself can be a testimony. Definitely. You are put in a place where you can't necessarily rely on words at this point, or at least not direct words of like, hey, this is the good news about Jesus. It's more like the way that you live your life, the things that you say, the things that you don't say, the things you do or that you don't do are things that testify to who Jesus is in your life. And even the way that you respond to like things going totally wrong at work, when something just totally fails, how does the normal person respond And how does the Jesus follower respond? This is the way that I can have a testimony to my coworkers is by the way that I respond in failure, in success, in everyday life. Are there any places that you've had even small wins that you've said like, man, that was a moment that I felt like, even if it wasn't directly sharing the gospel, this is a place where I felt like I got to share Jesus with my coworkers and I didn't anticipate that happening. I'd say opportunities where they're asking after work if they want to go for a drink or hang out or something. It's like, oh, I've got Bible story. I got it. Or I got to be with the worship team or something like that, where it shows my commitment outside of work within the church and things I'll hold up with priority. Opportunities to share those stories about what you're doing outside of your work life and how that matches up with some of your mannerisms while you're at work as well. I remember in grad school being able to see the way that those things would open up conversations with the other people in my master's program. Most of my classmates had some sort of experience with faith, as many people have, but it was not something that was part of their regular practice then. And I actually remember some of those experiences of being invited to the house party or invited to the bar or something like that. And initially being like, "Eh, no, I don't think I want to do that. But then as we grew a little bit closer, there were times they said yes, and that I would go and just hang out with them. And maybe I'd have a drink, maybe I wouldn't, but that I would just hang out with them and be my normal self in this very different setting. And I remember them bringing up, why is it that you would come out with us, even though you don't do this? And being able to talk about, because I really like you guys, because I really want to spend time with you, I care about you, and that leading into, and why is it that you don't do these things? And well, because this is my faith, this is what I believe. Those were actually the places where those conversations opened up when I went on their turf because they weren't coming to large group with me. They weren't coming to small group with me. It was, oh, invitation to the bar. I could probably think of 50 other things that I would rather do, but this could be a really interesting opportunity. It is kind of crazy how those 
open up the doors, even if you don't share the gospel whatsoever, but just a place to build relationships. Because like you said, it's those one-on-one relationships that actually open the doors to trust and being able to have deeper conversations. And even now there are several of them that I would still consider very close friends, even though we don't see each other very often. And yeah, I think that those were important moments that we shared, both them seeing me at work or, or in the classroom, but then also outside of that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Your actions can definitely lead to conversations like that. I've gone to lunch with some coworkers on a few occasions and I pray before I eat my meal, but they joke around like, what are you doing? You're smelling your food (laughs) or something like that. Um, It just leads into conversation, you know? And good opportunities to not respond like a jerk. I sometimes get really frustrated with people that talk about standing up for their faith. Sometimes I think that what they really mean is, oh, this is an opportunity for me to be a jerk for Jesus. Somebody could make fun of you like that, and you could get all flustered and defensive about it. Or instead, you could just respond in kind and make a joke as well. And they can see that, oh, this dude's cool about the way that he responds about his faith, even if we think it's kind of weird. Okay, so I have one last question for you. Now that you've been out of school for almost a year, as you look back on this year that you've had, knowing that it's been a unique year, not a lot of people have experienced or will experience something like this in the years to come. If you could go back and tell yourself something, what do you wish you had known before you graduated? I think it's something we've touched on here and there. Just what it took to get to where I am now. It's not always one step to the other. You know, it's not always a step A to step B. Sometimes there's other jobs that you're going to need to take on. There's other things that God's going to have you go through before you get to where you may have had an expectation. And I think it's just being able to set aside your own expectations and just rely on God's provision to bring you to where he needs you, not where you want to be. You can go to the Bible and you'll see examples of people who have suffered way more than we will ever suffer. What we go through right now is only temporary and our life here on earth is temporary and our greatest joy will be when we're united with God in heaven. And I think that's just something that we need to be reminded of and just to have a new expectation of, you know, life is not going to be easy. It's not going to be a walk in the park. It's going to be struggle. It's going to be doubt. It's going to be a whole lot of hardship. As I'm hearing you talk to also recognize that in those difficult places, it's not God just sitting up there saying, trust me, you're going to get through this and everything's going to be better. There's a plan going on here. He does know what the outcome is going to be and how it's going to work for his good and for our good. But also that when there are these terrible things that are happening, that God feels that with us, that he walks through those painful times with us. He knows what it was like. Jesus experienced extreme difficulty. He experienced isolation. He experienced being hated by the people who really should have received him right off the bat. And when you are experiencing those really difficult times of feeling like a failure or feeling left out or feeling fill in the blank thing, that he feels that pain right along with you and is walking through that process. But yeah, that he does have good things in store. And it's very possible that many of those good things are things that we won't know until we're with him, even as we do seek to make things better and to change realities here on earth as well. David, thanks so much for taking some of your time, even on your birthday. I really appreciate you giving some of your time to share today. My pleasure, John. Thank you for having me. You know, I'm starting to sense a theme from some of our recent guests. It sounds like they're learning the wisdom of approaching life with open hands. They have goals. They have hopes and dreams for what their life might look like, and they're in pursuit of that. But at the same time, they're recognizing that the path to get there might be different than they expect. It might take longer than they expect. And it may even have a different end point than they expect. That was my experience. After college, I moved to Minnesota for two things. A master's program that would prepare me for a PhD in clinical psychology. 
and to live closer to the girl I intended to marry. Fast forward eight months, and I had broken up with this girl. Fast forward another 12 months, and I had no PhD program prospects. Not what I had planned for myself. But the decision to move to Minnesota, even for the things that didn't end up happening, set me on a course experiencing God's goodness in ways I never could have expected or planned for myself. Yes, it was hard, brutally so at some points, but it has all been part of God's provision for my life. I wonder what journey you're on right now that has you asking questions about the path your life is taking. Are there places where you feel stuck or frustrated? Is it because God's trying to teach you something in that hard place? Or is he inviting you to consider a different path? Something you may not have expected, but something that will reveal the next phase of his provision for your life. Something to consider. Thanks, David, and all of our recent guests who have helped us continue navigating these big questions after college. Well, it's hard to believe, but we're nearing the end of this season of After Four. Next week will be the first of a two-part episode with our final guest, Erica Wright, author of the InterVarsity Press title, After College. Erica is passionate about helping collegiate leaders get the resources they need to equip students to thrive after college. I'm excited for you to hear about her work in this area and for us to continue learning what it looks like to navigate this post-college, post-intervarsity reality. A little bird told me that we may even be giving away a few copies of her book, so be sure to tune in and find out how you might be able to grab one for yourself. And to make sure you don't miss it, follow or subscribe to After 4 on your favorite podcast platform, turn on those notifications so you know when a new episode rolls out, and pass the show on to your friends. To paraphrase the sage advice of Wilford Brimley, share After 4 and share it often. There's just no reason not to. Thanks for tuning in. See you next time, alumni. Thank you.